Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to our show, Option Forward. I'm your boy Drew, always joined by the second half of our show. GQ Nelson, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Ready to go. Ready to go? Ready to go. Did you sleep well? Oh, death. Most death. All right, <laughs> took a couple of naps. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in the studio today, uh, we got a gentleman from like humble, from humble beginnings, from what I hear, you know what I'm saying? But I'm gonna let the, him explain that himself probably started out in the in the pastor's choir you choir something like that back in the day had to do a little a and b selection you know but um he's worked with some of music's greats um uh, from ursher uh justin timberlake uh pharrell um it's just an honor and a pleasure to have him i'll let him introduce himself mr um uh, kenyon dixon how are you doing today i'm good man what's good i'm on double duties today i'm i'm talking and parenting so hey you man, know that's gotta, amazing gotta keep the little one busy off to hey, the side father, black fathers are out here <laughs> yes though. sir hey <laughs> they say they say we can't multitask you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man, we got to we got to we got to getting it hey so how did it um you know with you uh coming from like how did it all begin kenyon i i did my research but let the people know how did um, you get your start Man, so uh, I'm from Watts, first and foremost, from the Jordan Downs. Uh, I grew up in a very musical family. My mother, uh, you know, she was a singer. Uh, my father was a guitar player and a singer as well. All my siblings all musically inclined. I'm the youngest of seven of them in total. So music is kind of, you know, kind of the family business. But I started, um, you know, in church, obviously. Uh, grew up very strict Christian household. And... Um, I got into the arts. I was actually not trying to do music specifically because when you're, you know, you're the youngest of seven kids who can all do music. It's kind of like maybe I should find something else. So I started dancing. I was playing sports. I got into musical theater, uh, did all of this stuff that ultimately brought me back to music. Um, and uh, so before I got into, you know, strictly pursuing my artistry, um, I got a chance to like tour with some amazing artists. I started off with Tyrese, uh, who is, you know, a, a legend and a hero from from my side of town um, and sure. for R&B music overall. Uh, then I work with, you know, tour with Faith Evans, Jill Scott, Justin Timberlake, Kelly Rowland, like all of these uh, incredible people. Um, and I got to write for a lot of them, uh, write for Faith, write for Tyrese and Tank and Genuine and Justin Timberlake. And so 
you know, just kind of, I always knew that I wanted to put out my own music and wanted to stick with that. So, you know, I, I learned from, from some uh, amazing artists from the greats and I kind of took everything and just went full fledged my own artistry, bet on myself, man. And I, um, I won and I'm still winning. For sure, you definitely are. But how do you, how did you, how did that come? connection like get established so you know i know you went you know kind of like the performing arts route yeah. but how do you go from performing arts to being on tour with faith yeah know? so i feel like my my story is not typical um so i had a a music teacher uh terrence lee jones rest in peace and he got me involved in uh the heavy entertainment side of, of the arts, and I ended up uh, training for it for a while at Debbie Allen's uh, yeah. Dance Academy in Culver City. And so um, he was, you know, he he's who kind of got me into musical theater. From there, I went on to like um, he would kind of MD, um, you know, be a musical director for a lot of different artists, and he would call me in. Uh, one of them, um, ironically, was Tashina Arnold. That was one of the first artists I worked with with him, um, mm -hmm. and I was singing background for her, and then. Uh, my my brother Scooter Sledge, um, amazing drummer, um, BJ Chicago kid's brother, older brother actually. Okay. And so Scooter was Tyrese's MD, and I got a call from Scooter saying like, "Yo, I need you to come to this rehearsal because all of us like, you know, um, even if they're not from the city, like the open mic and music scene is pretty, you know, pretty tight. We kind of all know each other. So, uh, he called me and was like, "Yo, Tyrese needs some singers for something. Like, you know, come through." So I came through to the rehearsal. Um, did that show with Tyrese and from there they were like, yo, we kind of want you to be like the the section leader for the vocals. So I, I started like being in charge of like all of the singers with Tyrese. Like if we would go to different cities or if we had a show, somebody could make it. I would have to make sure, you know, I would say like this is who we're going to bring on, make sure they're good. And so that was kind of the beginning of that for me. Um, and Tyrese, ironically, was my first professional writing placement and my first Grammy nomination from that placement. Wow. And that actually happened because they were at the house. Nobody knew I was a writer. They were at the house working on um, what ended up being his Open Invitation album. And I got a call and to come in as a singer to just lay some backgrounds and stuff. They're like, we need Tyrese's singers to come in. I got there, the writers were late and Tyrese was like, oh. Well, we got this track. Like, if any of y'all got some ideas, y'all want to jump in the booth and like, you were ready. Yeah, you were like, ready. Opportunity yeah, you know? knocks, right? Yeah, like, if y'all if you want to uh, jump in the booth and lay something down, like you know, like by all means, go ahead. I'm like, all right. So I just hop in there, lay something down. He come in like, yo, who did that? I'm like, you know me. He's like, like add some more. Like keep elaborating. And literally, that turned into um, a, a record called "What Took You So Long." And so uh, that was crazy. Kind of similar experience with Justin on tour with Justin Timberlake for a couple of years before uh, the writing opportunity presented its, itself. Um, they We took a break. We were on, in Europe for like a month, but we had like a week break. And during that week break, I knew that they were going to, to write and work on some music. And so um, I made a comment to one of the tour managers like, yo, man, we all want some hits, you know, holler at me. But I'm just, you know, yeah, yeah. playing around. He came back. And was like, yo, man, wasn't you supposed to send me some stuff? So I'm like, okay. So he really wanted me to to send him some stuff. And I sent him some records, came in uh, to the show the next day. And um, and uh, my music was playing on the speakers in the arena that, that we were in. And I was like, okay, who's 
playing this. Yeah. Like, where did this poo-poo come poo-poo from? Playing, yeah, and I'm walking through the hallway. Everybody's energy is different. Yeah, so like, so imagine you got the staff, you got, you know what I'm saying? You got like all the administrative people and I'm walking through the hallway and everybody's like, it's that vibe of like, you the man. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, what's going on? Why is everybody, you know, they're like, oh man, I heard your music is so amazing. So I'm confused because I'm just walking to the dressing room. And so- um, You have people sliding out. You know what yeah, I'm like, like, yo. Yeah, I'm like, okay, what, what do y'all know that I don't know? Like, so I find, uh, shout out to my guy, Andre Person, man. Um, I, I find Andre, I go to his office and Dre is like, um, he had called me that morning. That's what I forgot. He called me that morning like, man, did anybody know that you were writing stuff like this? Because I sent him over a folder. So he had been going through the folder. That's why the stuff was playing um, out loud. So he was just playing like the records he liked. Long story short, um, one day before we go on stage, um, I hear my name like in the hallway. Everybody's like, where's King on? Where's King on? Um, it's JT's assistant. <laughs> and she's like, She's like, uh, Justin wants you in the room. So we're all kind of looking. I'm getting up. I'm like, okay, like I'm about to get fired. Yeah, like, what's, no, no, yeah I'm like, what's going Shit on? Shit just got real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's happening? So, and this was like a week or so or two weeks after uh, me walking into, you know, the arena and, and the music and stuff was playing. So there was like no connection there to me. I'm just like, okay, so what's happening? Um, I get to... I get to his door. Now, if you know anything about touring and like, you know, touring with like high profile artists, you don't even as somebody on a band with them, you don't have access to their personal space 24 seven. Like, so if security is in front, they have to know that, that you're coming. You gotta have a certain pass, like, you know what I'm saying? So, and they know what time, like, cause it, you know, we would come in and do vocal warm ups, but it wasn't that time. So, okay. so there was so no really reason. thought she was about to get fired. <laughs> but security, when I walked up to the door, security is like, so I'm like, okay, so you know, cause you would usually stop me like, well, you know, you can't come in here now. So I'm like, all right, so I open the door, I walk in. It's like a scene from like, I felt like I was talking to the Godfather or something. It's like two of them sitting at a dark table, like, and I'm just standing there. I'm like, should I close the door? And they're like, yeah. So I sit down at the table, like, okay, what's up? And I was like, Man, your music is amazing, man. Like, I really got to, you know, I want to make sure I work with you and blah, blah, blah. So it was super crazy. Long story short, from that conversation, ended up being my first placement with JT, which was on the Trolls World Tour soundtrack, a record called Perfect for Me. So, um, and, you know, from then I went on, me and JT have been writing together for like the last three years or so. So, yeah, it's just my entry into the game, I feel like was a lot different than, than most people. Like, it didn't come from, you know, some like, random opportunity necessarily but it just kind of it was literally a case of like right place right time and being prepared and having done the work in advance not knowing that was going to be the moment but you know what i'm saying it all made sense so yeah long story short that's what happened that's crazy (laughs) short story long but when you okay so like if you if your if your upbringing was like anything like similar to mine like anything that was played in the house that wasn't James Cleveland, Kirk Franklin was considered worldly music. Oh, yeah. We don't do that. So yeah, how yeah. did you get your parents to buy into you pursuing that 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 musical side of your career? Uh, they never did. So my mother raised me, uh, raised all of us. And so uh, my, my father, when he was around, he was a little more chill. Like, although he was, you know, the same. But my father did quartet music. So if you know anything about quartet culture, it's more likely for him to be okay with right, what I'm right. doing than what, what my mother was. Um, you know, then how okay she would be. And so, uh, same, I would get in trouble. We would get whoopings for, for, um, 
playing having CDs in the house that were not gospel music. <laughs> I grew, you know, and again with my father being quartet, like I grew up listening to a lot of like Jackson Southern Airs, Mighty Clouds of Joy, like Canton Spirituals, and on my mother's side, you know, we got like Karen Clark, uh, Kirk Franklin, Yolanda Adams, CC BB Wine is like so. She never really supported it. What happened is when I got into the arts, even like dancing and stuff, you know, because right. what went hand in hand with that wasn't gospel music. Right. Um, I had like a, a someone who ended up becoming my godmother, like a figure in the projects where we grew up who saw my potential and talent and was like, y'all want to introduce. That's how I met my music teacher. She's like, I want to introduce you to somebody who kind of does this on a different level, because I think that your interest in it and your potential from what I see is greater than you just doing it right here. And so, um, so, uh, she ended up taking me somewhere and, uh, yeah, long story short, my mother kind of delegated anything outside of the household to her. Like, okay, well, if you want him to be involved in this stuff, then you gotta be the one to take him. So it wasn't until I was an adult that my mother really got a chance to tap into you know, who I was as an artist. Um, I remember one of the first shows she came to was in Vegas with me touring with Justin. And that was the first time she really got to see that. And then she came to uh, my show at the Roxy. And so she's at, you know, here she is at a show with that sold out with a room full of people singing her son's music. I think it really clicked, That's when it clicked. for her then. This was just August 21st, like this year. Wow, and you know I've been doing music yeah, forever, yeah. so she's like, "How much you getting yeah. paid? <laughs> hold up, hold up, we, we good Yo, with man. this? Like, that's yeah. what's up?" So it's been it's been really cool, man, and you know, I, and I think it's something that she should experience. I'm glad she's like you know much more open now and in, in that space uh, because I think that she should be able to see these benefits, um, the benefit of this as well, because it's played a huge part in it. Because my upbringing like helped cultivate the skill that I have now, so I want her to see it and be as proud as I am, you know, for, for what's being accomplished. Most definitely. What, what artists do you think, well, I know, I know you said it was like different from you because, you know, you had the passion for the arts, but it was more like, let me try something else because everybody else is doing this. Uh -huh. But like, what, what artists did you listen to when you was like, yo, like, yo, I can do this too. Like, like, yo, like, yo, this is it. Fire. Like, like when that light bulb went off, like, yeah. yo, no, this, this is it right here. This is what I want to do. Man, so there are like certain records and certain artists and memories that I have like connected to growing up, specifically a song and a video that I remember kind of being a huge inspiration was uh, My Way by Usher. My Way by Usher also, You Make Me Wanna. Yeah. And, that, and the the dance yeah, yeah. and the chair scene and all that stuff like I I remember that vividly and being like man this is super and cool I, silk yeah shirts he had on. exactly yeah, yeah I was like man this is this is pretty fire and then uh, same with Tyrese Tyrese being like again like a hometown hero there was a a, a moment where Tyrese came and like did something in the community um, you know I was a child one of his albums came out he came and did a couple songs at uh, like a community center in the neighborhood passed out some CDs. And that was one of the first physical CDs that wasn't gospel that I ever had that I could like keep. Like yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my mother, I don't know why she didn't really give me flack because he was for that one. Yeah, I think, I really think that's, though. yeah. So I think uh, those are two like artists and moments that I really credit to, you know, kind of uh, investing you know, uh, when I started to invest those those thoughts and feelings into, um, you know, just what I wanted to do. And also got to give much credit to like 
the artists that were my age and my generation, like like B2K and like like they actually played a huge part, uh, like Lil Romeo, like that, because they they were like visual representation for Lil us Romeo, of what. Bro. Yeah, literally, man. Because you know, so, Pete Miller, so when I when I was younger, I had the braids and like the you know the, the bandana with the with the diamonds on there. Like I thought you were gonna say Bow Wow, Bow Wow as well, bro. Like that whole what's now the Scream tour. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. they were all like huge inspiration for like you know my age group um, because we got to see what it would really look like if we could tap into that at the moment. So I think uh, I just want to make sure I show love to them because I think a lot of times we always talk about like the older artists but there were a lot of like for my age group um my generation during that time we had a lot of like dope inspiration that was like you know um direct reflection of our age so yeah, yeah, yeah. i think uh yeah i had quite quite a few quite a few that kept me kept me inspired man for sure man um would you say that uh okay so i know you you've done a lot like behind the scenes right so for those who are are interested in like you know composing music writing for others how does the business side work down you know we what we've been learning so far in this kind of space is like yo man you got to pay your dues and pay your dues pretty much mean you paying out of pocket or you working for free so how does the business side of things work like when somebody like yo like Keon, like i need you to come through write me a banger like how does the money work so I think paying your dues is subjective because I think it depends on your journey, depends on who you're around. Because I think a lot of times, you know, when we think about our journey to the top, we we like glorify like the struggle part of it as far as like you have to almost be in this place to where you have to almost give up or you won't really or you won't really appreciate. Like, I don't I don't subscribe to that. I think your journey is whatever it is. You're going to face challenges. But you don't got to almost want to quit and go to somewhere else before you realize that that's what you should be doing. So I think, um, you know, for me, I absolutely paid my dues. I had the shows where I would go and sing for free. I had the shows where I would go and sing for all these big artists at like, um, you know, just different weekly things that would happen. They would have guests come through and I'm learning 20 songs and getting paid $50. Like, But at the time it was... You know what I'm saying? It all ended up lending to the bigger picture. Like right. this was me sharpening my my skill. I was getting getting able to, you know, getting a chance to make the connections because a lot of these artists I've now worked with in a different capacity. And some of them are like contemporaries with me now. So it's like it was, you know, it was cool for myself. Um, but you do have to work because you can have the skill there, but you do have to work to the point where your reputation matches that, you know, that skill directly. Like you have to have the experience. Um to be able to, you know, move certain ways. So like now, if somebody calls me, they know not to call if it, if it ain't right, if you're not talking <laughs> about the right thing. But there are still some people who have done some amazing things for me who can call me right now and never have to talk a dollar amount. And I'm gonna look out just because that's the relationship right. you know what I'm saying that we have. But my point is I've also done the work um, and I have the experience now to be able to demand certain things um, in my field. So I think, uh, and, and ultimately, you keep working because there's always like another goal for you to reach. I think that's the cool part. So no matter how great you are, I feel like there's still always room to, you know, even expand that. So you just keep working and keep building. Keep. Yeah. Price going to keep going up. Shiz, I, I got a question. So so like I, I was actually it's funny that like he's talking about this, right? Because we were kind of mm -hmm. talking about something along those lines. Right. 
And uh, one of the things that I was telling him is like, you know, I, I always like to try to figure out ways to uh, grow, right? Yeah. And I think one of the well, the two things that I was telling him today, I was like, one of the, like the, the two things that is crucial for us is, right, is to cert, uh, reach certain milestones, right? And like, one of them, I was like, they were saying, they were talking about like, reaching achievements right achievement is easy you know what i mean there's a there's a book to it you go you read it mm -hmm. you get it done bam right but then there's fulfillments fulfillment right. like comes to a whole a, a whole nother level where you're like you achieved everything that you had to achieve and then on top of that right now you want to give right you want to you want to put put that knowledge out there um, so where, where, where do you feel like you're at, at this point in your career? Like, are you on the achievement side or, or you feel more fulfilled with everything that you've accomplished so far? I would say they're actually working like simultaneously for me. Um, and I think where they intersect is purpose. Cause when you get to right. purpose, your purpose is always, um, you have these vehicles that kind of lead right. um, and give you, you know, that how you're able to navigate. So for me, when you're in your purpose, it's obviously gonna give you, you know, you're gonna go through the achievements and, you know, um, execute things that you want. The fulfillment comes from purpose because they always say purpose is uh, not where you necessarily feel the best but where you're most effective to other people. But then when you start to understand that, the reciprocal part of that is the fulfillment because you're realizing that you're doing something that is um, making you most effective, which is, you know, um, there's still achievement in that as well, I would say. But yeah, sure, I think uh, yeah, I think for me, it's uh, it's simultaneous. I'm like in reaching my goals, I feel fulfilled. I feel fulfilled because I know I'm doing something that I truly love and something that I also should be doing. So yeah. Well, okay, I like how you spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> prep a little bit. <laughs> All right, do you um. Okay, so something that we was just talking about in, in the in the in the kitchen area, like with with your manager and stuff like that, as far as the uh, the messaging and, and R and B now, and kind of how you were saying you was listening to the Puff Daddies. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, ask, yeah. Ask him that. So, so, so I was like, you know, back in the day. I mean, okay, let me back up. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm driving out here. Had what an hour and a half drive over here, and and you know, I, I definitely like to mix up my my music. And you know, today I was like, you know what, I need to hear some Diddy. You know what I mean? So, okay, I, I was hearing some Diddy and shit, and 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 most of it is saying, you know, let's just get married. You know what I mean? All these, all these, these songs that bring you back to like, damn, those were the days, right? But then now we got the wop. <laughs> now, like it, like everything just went like 160. You know what I mean? Like is there's no longer that value of of union, uh, relationship, you know, uh, finding that significant other that actually matters. Right mm -hmm. now it's like what you got. Um, can you can you buy me some heels? Can you buy me some like purses? Yeah, and you know I'll I'll, I'll definitely you know uh, <laughs> drop take, it down the pole. You know what I mean? Like, right yeah. Right. So like, what's your take on that, man? So I think there's always been that dichotomy and some sort of dynamic with music. I think that um, during previous eras, the industry just did a great job, and labels, I guess so, just did a great job with pushing the right 
the right option forward. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. They did an amazing job with pushing the right music to the forefront. Because the thing is, the music we're acknowledging that was great then, that not so great music was also being made. It's just that what was prevalent was the music that had the right message. But then, um, you know, it's a it's a cultural a cultural shift uh, because I think that the demand is different. People are living different lives. The lifestyle is different. So they, if art imitates life, then it makes sense that we're getting the type of music that we're getting. But I will say, again, it's all about the WAP that. though, <laughs> like because that is, but that is a that's a dynamic. It was always wet. That's it. Yeah, they was always coming. I'm just saying that, that is a lifestyle, though. Like, you know, there's there's many, but that is a lifestyle. That is a reflection of something that somebody is interested in. So I think it just it just all depends on who was in those, like you know, the positions and what they decided they wanted to, uh, you know, push for and monetize. We're talking about the music business. It's all about it's all about business. So if that's the most you know what they can make the most lucrative you know it's always gonna gonna be that but i think every generation i've went back i've listened to you know still listen to the records from the 90s still listen to the records from the 2000s i could find the same type of records we got today they were just smart enough to not make those the face of that era of music that's really all it is so, um, sounds like k jewelry so was pretty back much in we day. always sound yeah. the same Every, you know what I'm saying? It just yeah. wasn't. It yeah. just wasn't your single yeah. already. Yeah. Wrong sponsors. You know what I'm saying? Wrong you sponsors. Get about four, yep. four, five tracks in, you may hear the walk. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. We've heard it, man. I, I was just listening to to Betty Wright not too long ago, um, and I mean Betty Wright got some. She has some context. She has some context. There's a, a, a record I heard from her called uh, "You a Hoe and You Don't Know," and I was like. Whoa, when was this written? And it really was a record from like, what I want to say like the 90s or like, you know, so uh, or even earlier. But I think it was like one of her later records. But it was just crazy to know. Um, and I was purposely doing it. Yeah, because I was purposely looking for it because I never felt like because I think my generation gets attacked for like as if that's the only kind of music that we can make. And I don't make it. And I know so many other amazing artists who don't make it but the focus is never on us it's it's always on the type of music that people don't want to hear and the music that we make exists but we want to hear it in the spaces where we're hearing the music that we don't want to hear and it's like you're not going to hear it there so just stop listening in that space and go listen to you right. know what i'm saying um a, a space where you can find the music that you want to listen to so i started just going down a rabbit hole like man let me see like really what was happening in the 90s and the 80s and like and it was the same thing same thing they just there was a lot more gatekeeping that i think helped um you know gatekeeping has a negative connotation but and you know you think about motown motown has a sound because it controlled the quality of the music that was coming out it had to be a certain standard right you think about even i mean even like bad boy era you even go yeah. there there yeah. was a certain type of sound you think about so so deaf certain type of sound you had these masterminds behind you know what i'm saying the music quincy jones any artist quincy has ever touched babyface any artist babyface has ever touched there's a certain standard and a certain quality of music the game yep i think that that's that's the one thing that we've gotten away from there's no camaraderie and like community in music anymore it's kind of everybody is only making their own thing so well, it doesn't okay but no but i think that's funny that you say that because you like you said like it was that gatekeeper because everybody's going independent now so now I can do what 
I want to do yeah. because I don't have to worry about the the majors. You know what I'm saying? Like now I get to put it out there. It's not controlled. I can do what I want. Do you think it's uh do you think that can probably be an issue right there? You know what I'm saying? With the quality of stuff, since everybody can put anything up on Spotify or something like that. I think so one, I think there's different levels to independent um to being independent because there you can also be independent within a major system. Um, and that's a lot different than a, a grassroots indie artist who's literally funding their own stuff and, you know what I'm saying, having to pay for everything out of pocket. When you got a machine behind you, it's never going to be genuinely independent. It's always, it, it's just different. It's, it's di like a completely different playing field. But I think that to that point, what I will always argue is the biggest difference with the quality of music now is the resources that we have. Technology has advanced. You do have, the average person can now wake up in the morning, record a song with equipment at their home already, right. and upload it, and nobody can tell them that is not a good idea. They can just put it out. So the likelihood- <laughs> like, what your mama yeah. You know what I'm saying? The likelihood of that in the 90s, um, Walking into somebody's house, it was not as likely that they would have a setup for you to just come in there and do whatever. You would have to go to the studio, which That's means that point. you were subjected, even against your will, to other people's opinions. Because if you go to the studio and more than likely those studios were, you know, had some sort of label connection, you had the A&Rs, you had all of these people there like giving input as you're creating. So I think that that might be the biggest di disadvantage now that we're just getting more music there's more music dumped on us daily so you got to do a lot more digging to find the quality but i would say for that same reason technically that means there's a lot more quality music there's just still a lot more music that's not quality that's more than the music that we want to hear boy this boy got a career in politics if he, wants to, <laughs> he, he just solved the problem no but, but like okay so so everything that you were saying um, kind of, kind of like made me think about the whole thing that I was telling you about, like you know how Kanye was like, you know, you have Kanye, you have Kyrie, you have all these different celebrities, right? That mm -hmm. are like, fuck it, drop me. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, in my opinion, I feel it's a movement to to kind of um, release that control, right? Like you no longer can tell me how I'm gonna, like what I'm gonna say or what I'm gonna do because I stand behind my my brand. So yeah. what do you think about that, like? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think it's important, man. I think you you have to stand for something. When you, they always say like, when you say, oh, if I was back in this time, this is what I would have been doing. And it's like, whatever you're doing now is exactly what you would have been doing because this is our equivalent to right. whatever those historical moments were. And so I think that you need those figures who are not afraid to speak up because we're, we're it's all systemic. So we're going against the system and having to figure out how to change it. And you don't do that by having these ideas and just talking about it in private. Somebody has to say it because it's gonna resonate with somebody. I speak up all the time about independent artists. 
I had strong opinions about uh, what happened with the Recording Academy and, and the Grammy nominations and everything like that. I spoke out about it. I think there's a way to do it, you know, where you're able to be tactful. But it's important because if not, you subject yourself to the same thing every year. And as in that situation, this is something I'm subscribing to. I'm submitting my music every year. So what benefit does that do for me if I'm going to keep doing it, knowing that nothing is changing? That's like setting myself up to, you know what I'm saying, uh, feel the same way every year. So I think like when it comes to like Kyrie, who I think did an amazing job with, you know, what he, you know, what he expressed. I think that it's just important that this is the freedom of speech that we argue in theory. This is what it actually looks like. So Nike was gangster about yeah. that too. That's Nike was we like, to, we could afford to lose him. Like that's yeah. what it's coming down to. Yeah. Like, like, like there's no, it, it, it's coming to the point where now it's like before you're like, okay, he's out of pocket. But now you, you're starting to kind of see the full picture. Like it's the yeah. brand necessarily. Yeah. It's not the person. You know what I mean? Because yep. at the end of the day, like they're not doing anything harmful. They're not hurting anybody. They're just voicing their opinion. Yeah. And that's really what it all, like, I kind of like that because I feel like in, in some way we're kind of bringing values back. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like we're not standing for like shit because now like. Shit! Now you 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 have to submit yourself to watching YouTube, like you know what I mean, like doing yeah. shit like that. What do you mean? I'm a man, like you know what I mean. I can't be doing stupid shit like that. <laughs> but like, if that's what's gonna generate money, mm -hmm. people are like, "Fuck it, I'm I am doing whatever I have to do." And I think that that's the part where we're we're starting to see a little bit of an end. But obviously, it's it's almost uncomfortable. But yeah. but it was like in the '90s, it was cool. What do you mean? Like, yeah, I think I mean you know we have cancel culture now, and and. There's two sides to that uh, because I think that the sensitivity can be great because there are a lot of like there are a lot of like toxic habits that we had just out of habit and out of religion things that we should have been let go of. So I think that being able to be sensitive to more stuff is good because it sparks some type of change. But I think the the downside to it is that we've made everything subjective as if nothing can be objective anymore. Like there's still mm -hmm. general rules of what's good and bad. Like art is a great place to make that point. Like we listen to some music and you can say like, oh man, I don't like this. Like this song is off key and somebody be like, oh, it just doesn't work for you. No, there are rules like in music. Like if there are chords there, you probably should make sure that you're singing <laughs> within the scale. Like you can't tell me it's just me. Oh, maybe, oh, your ears are just, I've been told this before. Your ears are just, just too tuned. I think you just don't get it. No, this doesn't sound great. Yeah. Like it's, and it's okay, but like we can't, I think we try and make everything subjective and and if you make everything subjective then that means there's no real gauge or metric system for what's good or bad and in that case that means that nothing in the world means anything yeah no, <laughs> so and, and, and that's that's crazy because you know what there's really not one answer right even though even though like we're raised in in like school tells us that there's one answer but there really isn't you know what i mean there, yeah. there there's so many different answers and but yep. we're forced to be able to go this route yeah. because that's the route that's supposed to but but the reality is it's like so many different freaking yep. things that 
could lead to the same like same way. I don't know. Shit. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, that shit got me like, ah, like, what's up? Let's not, let's not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's keep it about the music today. All right, we're talking about the music today. It's bullshit. Right, but no, yeah. <laughs> but no, like jumping back to the, like the music side of things, like what I was thinking about is like this, uh, what I perceive from mm -hmm. a consumer standpoint is like this delayed exposure, right? So for example, don't come after me, Beehive or anything like that, <laughs> right? But you got Chloe and um, Holly, uh -huh. right? They've been with B for years yeah. before they actually blew up and started doing their own thing. But now that they are putting out their own music, if you reference back to B's albums, you can be like, oh, I know who was in the studio when that was made. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So why do you think there, in my opinion, what it seems like, yo, you keep contributing to my success. And when I'm tired and I don't feel like making no more albums, then you get to go and do your thing. Is that what is that what you perceive it to be? Like from 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 the artist side, from you being on inside of the industry, is that am I right am I along the right lines or not? I think depending on the person, there there probably are certain artists that that may be applicable to. Um, but I think in general, it it all like the industry changes so fast. I think realistically, you just never know what it's going to take to break an artist because you can invest and give them the best of everybody and everything. And there still could be a reason that they don't connect that has nothing to do with you. Like the industry could have taken a shift and now what you built and invested in is no longer what is attractive. So it's like, you have to find these different avenues until you know what's happening. And then you, you have somebody like Beyonce, who's incredible, I think, Learning from somebody like that, I think it's always going to take anybody under an artist extra work to show their individuality, because I think it's not the artist's fault. It's that most consumers automatically try and find similarities um, and it diminishes like your your genuine light because they decide anything that you do is connected to that person. So I think, uh, you know, in instances like that, where you're working with amazing artists, um, they already see that in you, which is why, you know, why they're working with you. And then like, you could be building something and it just sometimes take, takes time for people to really see who you are and not connected to anybody else. So I think that, you know, just in general, that, that could be the case. Um, but yeah, I think there are, are instances where, it's a, you know, you have certain artists um, who like I was I was in a situation working with an artist where we did some business and I basically learned never you never sign to an artist that doesn't have a proper infrastructure um, because you can have all of the best wishes in the world and want me to do amazing. But if you do not have the business infrastructure there to back that up, none of that means anything. So when you deal with artists who do um, like B again, B's incredible and she has the system mm -hmm. to be able to delegate people to whatever she wants to invest in. So I think that we need more of that, more of artists who already know, like I'm incredible, but let me make sure that I have the people who can do do the same. Yeah, thing. do the same thing for you. I think that that's you know that's really important. Uh, okay, I like how you answered that. Yeah, all right. 
All right, so like thinking back like over time, I'm not for sure. I mean, from from the way I'm understanding your story is like, you know what I'm saying? You prepped for that opportunity, not knowing when that opportunity was going to present itself, but it happened to be at the right time. Um, but I listened to your albums. I listened to all your albums, right? Before the end, like, I'm like, why? Why haven't I heard of this guy before, man? Like, this dude is, this is, this is, this is stuff I like, you know what I'm saying? But it, were there times where you wanted to throw in a towel because you wasn't charting up the way you wanted to? Not on a chart sense, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Your own trajectory on where you, where you saw, thought you should be. Um, never, never any times where I thought about not doing music. I think there were more so times where frustration was higher than it, you know, than it normally would be. But I also understood that that's what, what I signed up for. Like I'm by choice an independent artist. And that's when you choose to do that, you have to understand what that looks like. And you're gonna, the journey is gonna look a lot different and it's, it's not gonna be as easy as somebody who has the label backing and like the support of the system, but it's a lot more rewarding because I'm always making music that I love. I've never put out a single song that I didn't love or that I didn't want to do. I've never put out a song that I didn't write myself. So it's like, I don't know what that feels like to have to do something that you don't love and not have the support. It's like, you kind of got to pick and choose. But yeah, for myself, never thought about giving up on music because I understood my purpose early on. I knew what I had was something that nobody else could give to the world but myself. And if I didn't, and Again, tapping into purpose, understanding that that meant I had something that other people needed. I understood that if I didn't put it out there, somebody's missing something. And so um, I just kind of, you know, push past it, still have those frustrating moments. And it's amazing now, you know, to to finally have like the visibility and, you know, to be able to get the looks still cool. But you're never the, the truth about an artist. You're never going to be satisfied because even everything could be happening and your mind is going to be like, this should have been happening 10 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. like yeah. what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you be at the yeah. height of your career. And literally as a creative, your mind is just, that's just the reality. It's gonna be like, but remember that one time where you submitted for this and they were like, nah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. and then you're like, man, I was making this same type of music. Like, it's just, that's just the natural like blues of, of being an artist. So I think I've just, you know, kind of uh, charged it to, that's just the game. That's just how it goes. and. <laughs> I'd much rather, I'd much rather take longer and be able to have a sustainable career. Cause at the end of the day, if it rather, I, I can still push a single album for all of three, four years because the music is never going to hit its peak as long as it's, you know, us doing it independently. So, um, and this is stuff that I can live for the rest of my life off of having this art that, this is what classic music does. You look at classic artists, they're not touring off of new music. We're going to see them because of the music that we know them from. And I think that, right. um, you know, I've done a great job and the team has done a great job with making sure that we stay on course with following that formula. Let me ask you something. So uh, we got like roughly about like 6,000 or uh, don't quote me on it, but we, we have a lot of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think one of the things that I think sometimes we fail to recognize is that a lot of our, our 
uh, course of action relies on emotion, right? So as an artist, what type of emotions do you want to throw out? Because because I mentioned you saying like people are missing out. So what type of emotions your music brings to, to your audience? I think a range of them. I think that that's why my fans and, and even new listeners who come across my music, I think that that's why they love it. Because you listen to an album, there should be a range of emotion. Um, and I, I have this theory that, you know, no no person as a human, you don't feel the same emotion 24 hours a day. Right. You go right. through different, different emotions. So I have this theory as it pertains to art that if you make an album, the more emotions you can tap into, it increases the chances of them really diving into your album because then you have something for however they feel. But if you just have an album full of sad songs or an album full of happy songs or an album full of love songs, it's like when somebody wants to feel another emotion through music, that means they have to now leave away from your catalog and go listen to something else. So I've learned to build my music around the range of emotion. Um, and it still all can be you know, encompassed in love because love has a range. Love is not just, you know, the happy side. It's, you know, it's just a bunch of different stuff. Uh, but make it sound good and make sure that, you know, uh, people can f just give them something to feel. You got fellas yeah. doing right. You got fellas yeah, yeah. doing right. Let me get married. You know, yeah. that shit. No, no, no. That's funny that we're talking about emotions. <laughs> right? All right. So you got um, your, your album that you got out right now. You know what I'm saying? Closer. Right. There's a... There's a track on there, uh, Marvin Gaye. Yeah. All right. You say, it's okay if I take my time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So with that, and hold on, what else did you say? Feel the love is forever or something like yeah, that, yeah. right? So what I took from that was more of a, a patience. You know what I'm saying? We, hey, let's enjoy this feeling. So is it important for you to, to exercise that patience? In all areas of your life? Absolutely. Um, uh, another line in that same song that kind of sums up what you just asked. I say, uh, there's a couple of ways to touch. Intimacy is much more than the things that we see. Because I think that that speaks to that patience to to navigate and find, like, learn your experience. The person, the, the situations that you're put into, wherever it is, whatever aspect of your life that you're dealing with, any of this, it's so important to, like, carefully search and so that you can get a scope of what you're dealing with to know how to approach things. And so, uh, yeah, with that record, it really is a matter of, of, you know, patience and the art of like learning and not rushing. Cause you understand like we have time and if we do this right and take the proper time that we need, we won't regret any of this process leading up to it because we will have explored everything possible. And now every single time moving forward, we know how to activate it because we took the time to learn, you know, how to navigate. But I think that's a that's a life lesson in yeah. any room you're put into, any circle of people, you know, that you're around. Watch, watch, observe, and then speak once you learn what this what this means to you, you know. So why Marvin Gaye though? I was also into. I was like, why are you talking that Marvin Gaye? Yeah. So Mar Marvin Gaye um, was a huge inspiration for the project overall it's so Marvin Gaye I mean he's just raw I think he's one of the like smoothest artists that ever exist he has the finesse the charisma and so I felt like that song also had that same finesse and charisma but I wanted it to because I was thinking about like if Marvin was you know here in 2022 would how would he approach right. a record like this not necessarily 
what type of record would Marvin do? But if Marvin got on a record like this, how would he approach it? And so when I got to the hook and I wrote that sexual healing line, I was like, I have to call it this, this song. Like literally it has to be called Marvin Gaye because he was already, his his energy, the soul of Marvin was already the, you know, the vibe of this right. song. Doing it. Yeah, and it, it, and it really does, it. the way it translates, even live, like, Anytime I do that show live and for the closer tour, I started, you know, it, it's the album from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. So I started the the tour show off with that song. The way it sets the vibe and no, like no. and you don't have to do anything because it's there's an energy, there's a soul there, it's so smooth. I just walk out and I could not sing until the bridge if I want to, because the audience is singing top to bottom. And I think that that speaks to the proper execution of of Marvin and that finesse and that smoothness because it it's something that it activates and opens up that makes people want to just be in that moment and not have to think about anything because there's like you know a, a million people at the shows who who feel like they might not even have any musical talent but they don't second guess it when they're in this space there's something facilitated in the space that makes them feel comfortable enough to be like we all together, like we just gonna, you know, make it what it is. So we lighting candles, but no, yeah. like what gives you? No, nah, I mean, cause it, man, it's amazing how you breaking this down. But like, what gives you that? What gives you that vibe? Cause exactly how you describe it as that being your opening, like the yeah. first track, like bro, like I was like every other track on this album gonna be like not what I like, but this one right here, I'm just <laughs> I have to listen to everything yeah. else. You know what I'm saying? It that. just sets the tone. So how did? Like, how did you know? Like, how did you know? Like, yo, we open in because if I if I can only assume it would be like, yo, so what track we going with first? You know what I'm saying? You get the team yeah. together, and you was like, nah, this this one right here got to be first. So when I when I go through like sequence in my album, um, it's always me by myself because what I have to filter it through is how I feel. So if and not knowing that I have to perform this music. If I don't feel great about every single part of these records, it's, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It's, I'm always gonna say no if it's if I don't feel like it's it. So, um, Marvin Gaye, I'm not gonna lie, I went back and forth with having that record as the first record because it felt like such a special record. And I was like, this is gonna be one of the most special records on the album. Do you really wanna put this first? But then every time I would listen, I'm like, it's so audacious to start an album off with a song like this. I'm like, you would never have somebody put what they feel like is their best song on an album first. But I was yeah. like, it's gonna, but it's gonna set the tone and it's gonna, it's gonna grab enough attention and make people want to be like, I have to listen to what you just said and be like, you know, I have to listen to the rest of this album. And so I was nervous about it because I was like, this is real R and B, and in this climate. You never know what people are going to gravitate towards. So that could either work for me or it could work against me. So I was like, all right, let's, you know, let's do it. And if you know anything about like releasing music, you know, when you're pitching the DSPs, you got to have like a focus track. Marvin Gaye is what I wanted to be my focus track. And I was like, I think this two R&B is not going to sit with the records that I know them to highlight. So I pick other records, album drop every playlist, Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye. I'm like, had I known yeah, that y'all yeah, was gonna pick this yeah, one, yeah. this is what, you know, what I would have sent in the first place. So I just think uh, a key part with this album was I tapped into, you know, the OGs and the grace that I love from Anita Baker to Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, like Donnie Hathaway, um, Otis Redding. I mean, like the I was trying to find the, 
the soul. Because um, I, I argue it all the time. Like soul should be a non-negotiable in R&B music. And so I listen to the records that I love and I retain the feelings. Mm-hmm. And when I started working on my music, I started trying to match it with those feelings. And when I would start feeling something when I was writing, I'd be like, okay, does it make me feel like any of these? And I literally was connecting the dots. And when when I was able to listen to them and they made me feel like I did with the classic records, I was like, it's finished. Because that's all I wanted. Because I'm thinking to make classic music, all classic music is is something that triggers those same emotions every time. It ha- But it has to do it consistently so i listen to each song so many times to challenge myself and be like are you just gassing yourself or do you really feel this way and so i would take breaks from the music come back go listen to other music and when i press play literally feeling was the same every single time and i was like okay cool this is the album yeah. so that's how pattern, i had pattern it. recognition yeah bro. Pattern recognition. yeah hey, you know, yeah, yeah for like real most death bro you that that album is a banger bro thank you man yeah, i appreciate yeah, yeah. it it's a banger so when you because uh, we got to wrap it up here in a bit, but like gotcha. when you when you think about, I was thinking about like I've always wanted to do music, but that ain't my thing. I know that's gotcha. my thing. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like, yo, if I can write or if yeah. I can sing, this is what I would sound yeah. like. You know, but like you. when you when you were writing and stuff like that, are you like, yo, I set out specific times a day. Or are you like, oh man, I just had a bomb date. Like, yo, like I'm going to the studio right now. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this down. What is your process? So it's all sporadic. So I write and cut and engineer everything in my crib um, because that's my safe space. That's where if I can't go to sleep at four in the morning, and I got an idea. I don't gotta get in the car, or drive nowhere. I just, you know, go upstairs, start recording. And so I think for me. Um, Man, I don't know, man. It's just, yeah, I, I like to just be able to, you know, get the ideas out whenever whenever I have them. It's, there's no, like, specific time or anything like that. Like, my music literally comes from whatever I feel, whatever I feel in the moment. Um, you know, I write it down and go to the equipment or, you know, pull up the keys if I if I got an, a production idea first. And that's really how I do it. But I don't work on a schedule. And I say this all the time. I think that that's impossible um, for, you know, for creatives to do. Like when I was writing a lot for other artists, you know, when they're like, OK, we need you at the session from two to five. It's like, who's to say I'm going to feel like being creative from two to five, five o'clock? Like, that just <laughs> might not be it that day, you know? So Resume. I think that that's why having my own equipment in the house and knowing how to, you know, engineer it serves me perfectly because you never know when it's going to hit you. And if you can't get those ideas out right away, even if you write it down, sometimes you can't tap back into the spirit of whatever you're feeling in that moment. So you got to be able to just get it out whenever you feel like it. But yeah, I don't like, I can't be like, all right, I'm gonna work on the album today from from 8 p.m. until 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Like, nah, I take Let so me get many, an outlook, <laughs> yeah, yeah. reminder. <laughs> yeah, for real, I take so many breaks with my music. Like, when I don't feel it, it's like, I just, I'm out of here. <laughs> all right, so I got this little hypothetical question I prepared for you, right? So you got three opportunities, right? But you only can pick one. Okay. Right? Out of the three opportunities, all right? Recorded album, executive produced by Babyface. That's one. Okay. All right. The second one, Storm Roll, Five Heartbeats Part Two. All right. <laughs> Directed by Spike Lee. All right. Okay. That's two. Or 
uh, perform along alongside uh, Rihanna this Super Bowl? Which one are you picking and why? That's good. That's good. Baby good. face and Rihanna. I'm a, you know what? Unpopular opinion. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Super Bowl with Rihanna. I think to. I think that visibility is unmatched. And we're talking about trying to bring R and B to the world and an audience that doesn't understand. So I'm looking at even history. though it's hypothetical, yeah. History, Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking He's at forever the history there. of it. Yeah. And and the fact that it will put you know, that's one of the highest uh watched events in television. So I think that that would introduce so many new people, not just to me, but to the type of R&B music that they say doesn't exist. So as an advocate for real quality R&B music, I think that's it. Um, and then, you know, we can easily uh, work in <laughs> hit baby face like that was me from the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Monetize. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I, I, would, I would go with that, man. I think that, yeah, I would love to push that message like to the world, like, you know. Okay. Okay. So what's um what's next? What we got upcoming? What what, we, what should we be on the lookout for? More music, man. A lot more music. Um, I just did a, a documentary called SoCal Soul with SoundCloud that just dropped. Okay. Um, literally just dropped a couple of days ago, and it's highlighting like the R and B soul scene in Southern California and like some key players they've identified that has really like helped push the, you know, the genre forward. So. Um, I was blessed to be one of the artists that they highlight in that, uh, which is, you know, super cool. And um, more music, literally, I'm, I'm already working on my next couple of projects. I don't want to, like, spoil it, but yeah. 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 Leak, leak that to me. Yeah, bro. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's some, it's some familiar stuff. It's some familiar stuff that's, that I'm just taking a different approach to. Okay. So I'm excited uh, for that. More shows, man. I'm a, I'm a live music guy. I come from come from live music, so I think I'm the most excited about you know uh, getting back out there and touring some more. So no. yeah, more R and B. Dope, man. Dope, man. Well, hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we come to like the the ending of our show. Um, we thank you for tuning in today. But as I always do before we conclude, I always open up the microphone, the table to our guests and to our hosts. Um, we'll go around the table today. GQ Nesto, is there anything you would like to share with our viewers and listeners? Shit, you know, thank you everybody for uh, definitely listening uh, listening to us. Um, you know, uh, we really appreciate any comments. Uh, follow us on all our social media platforms. Uh, we definitely got some good content coming out. So uh, this is definitely a good one. For sure, for sure. Mr. Kenyon, anything? Man, uh, R&B is here. So never leaving, never went anywhere. Um, so just tap into it, and if you want to hear my R and B, uh, you know what I'm, I don't know. You know what I'm bringing to the table. Uh, you can find me um, on all the DSPs, King on Dixon, or uh, just follow me, Kenny Got Soul, IG, Twitter, um, same. And only if you really love R and B, because there's a lot of R and B stuff happening on my platforms. Uh, but yeah, just tap into the R and B that you love. That's what I'm here for. For sure, for sure. And I'm your boy Jude. We thank you for tuning in. God bless you. We out. Peace.